Hey, everybody, welcome back to Grotential, the podcast where we are trying to learn and study and grow. And as we learn, study, and grow, we want to invite you along so that you can grow into your f- full potential, too. I'm with my dad. I'm Sarah. My dad's Doc. How are you doing today? I'm doing good. We are back for part two. Yes, we are. Of the happy, of the happier mindset, happier all about happy. We are back for part two of our podcast on how to be happier. I loved the first one and I love this topic because I think it is so relevant and so many people are in the pursuit of happiness. I'd love to recap with you for a little bit for those of you who maybe didn't listen to the last one. If you didn't, highly recommend going back and listening to it and then coming back and finishing it up. Um, So First place is how do we define happiness? So happiness is the experience of pleasurable and meaningful uh, uh, things. Experiences, yeah. Yeah, so it has to be meaningful, not just pleasurable. That's right. And I also like how you talked about happiness as this inner sense of well-being. I think that is so helpful because it's not our external, it's what's going on inside of us. Right. And we're as happy as we want to be. Okay, there's also a paradox with happiness. Remind everyone of the paradox of happiness. So happiness is something that cannot be pursued directly. It is a, a side result of other right things. Yeah. Um, if I'm pursuing happiness I'll never get it Uh, if I'm pursuing uh, having a healthy relationship uh, one of the side effects of that will be this inner sense of well-being and contentment yeah and we are using uh, Tal Ben-Shahir his book happier and um, his second one it's you're as happy as you want to be. Happy as you want to be. So I, in this, he talks about this idea of uh, anti-fragility. And so in you'll see post-traumatic stress. You'll see that when stress has hit somebody, it brings them below. The stress has put a weight on them, so it brings them below baseline. And in his book, The Happier No Matter What, I think it's what it's called, he talks about the idea of resilience 2.0 and he calls it post-traumatic growth. When we go through the hard things in life that we just have to expect them, that we're going to go, we're not always going to feel happy and there's going to be times of hard, but how do we remain happy? How do we uh, hit this resilience 2.0 when the stresses, stressors and the trauma of life push us down we don't just go back to baseline, but in fact, we get stronger. And he talked about the indirect ideas, the indirect pursuit. And we talked on the spiritual life, which remind us what your thoughts on were on that. We, uh, we create time in our life where uh, God gets to have influence on our inner character. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, not so much interested in... Uh, 
a bunch of rules. Yeah. I'm interested in God making me a better man in yeah. my soul. Mm -hmm. So I create daily time for a Bible reading and prayer. And then I capture an idea and I carry it with me out throughout the day. Yeah. We talked about the physical idea that there is a lot of things that are going to cause stress in our life. And one of the big things that we need to do is we need to figure out how to create time for recovery. And um, in the physical aspect, I want to touch more on this later because we're going to be talking a little bit about habits on this one. So I'm going to kind of come back to this point. But the idea is how do you do little things throughout your day to help you refill, refuel, not just waiting for the big vacations, but how do you um, help those levels of stress in the kind of way that you can get healthier? And then we ended with the intellectual aspect. Um, so S, spiritual, P, physical, I, intellectual. And he talks all about curiosity and the happiest people that live the longest have a sense of curiosity but it's not just curiosity it's what it's uh, uh following what you're curious drilling into it uh going deeper yeah i love that you talked about paintings and finding ways to go deeper and learning about the artist or finding the books that tell you a little bit more about the painting and we kind of push the idea that uh, to pursue your curiosity and if maybe you're struggling with what you're curious about to go to the library and just look go pick out a book or get the Libby app that's the library app and just start researching different books that cure that you're curious about okay today I want to pick up with um, the number one indicator of the quality of um, happiness you're going to have or the quality of life you're going to have the number one indicator is your relational your relationships um, and it's not just relationships but it's the quality of relationships can you talk to our audience about how do you cultivate a quality of relationship in your life that does have true meaning that does feel life-giving Good relationships take time and energy. Yeah. Uh, we usually don't have the relationships we want because uh, we don't put the time and the energy into them. Mm -hmm. uh, we assume things. Uh, we take things for granted. Um, uh, I, I do not expect Shay to make me happy. That's a great... Point. In fact, uh, I feel responsible to uh, be doing the kind of things that make it possible for her to experience more happiness. I can't make her happy, but I can create a pleasant environment where it's much easier for her to be happy. <laughs> yeah. Right? I love that acknowledging, though, that uh, our true happiness is not going to come from, obviously, the people around us can bring us joy. But... If we are looking to the people around us to consistently make us happy, we're going to fail every time. Every time. And so I love taking the ownership of it is our responsibility, not somebody else's, to find the happiness in life. Like nobody can tell me um, what is pleasurable to me. No one can tell me what uh, feels meaningful. Those are things that we have to spend time on. And when we cultivate it in ourselves, we do something good for the people yes, around us. Yes, we do. 
All right. When you think about um, maybe broken relationships where there are indicators of, man, it's just, it, there is no happy, there's no joy, there's not a lot of health. Can you give us an idea of maybe how you start to repair some of the broken relationships in your life? Um, I believe uh, somebody has to initiate. Yeah. And the biggest tragedy is everybody waits for the other person to initiate. Yeah. So you, uh, we say to ourselves, they did this wrong. They said this wrong. They hurt my feelings. It's their responsibility to fix this. Well, that's not going to happen. It's like a stone wall. You're both yeah. stonewalling, waiting for the other. I want to be an initiator. If I find out that uh, I have a relationship that, uh, that, uh, there is a breach in, I'm always going to take the initiative. Okay, this has been a game changer for my life, so I'm so glad you brought this up. You told me a while ago, and you it's this idea, but you worded it a little bit different. You said every relationship has to have a champion. And you said, I'm going to choose to be the champion day in and day out. And so it's the idea of not letting stuff slide, not letting yeah. it go on, but you are the champion in the relationship where you pursue the health, where you pursue the healing and not wait for the other person. And it's been an absolute game changer in my life because my tendency is to stonewall. My tendency is to be like, oh, you think you can be cold. You just wait and see. <laughs> Real healthy. But this has changed. I always want to be the first one to apologize. Yes. I don't, I don't want to, I, don't, I do not want to be the, uh, the responder. I always want to be the first one to apologize. Yes. If you are in a tough spot in your relationship, go initiate. It's a game changing quality. And I thank you for teaching it to me. Uh, sir, I'd also like to say, uh, when I initiate, uh, I can't have expectations that it's instantly going to change the person. Correct. Uh, uh, I'm going to initiate, and then I'm not going to put a ton of expectations on them. Uh, I'm going to say, it feels to me like our relationship is not where I want it to be. Uh, uh, I've hurt your feelings. Uh, I'm sorry. And uh, I'm going to be, uh, I'm going to do better. Mm. But then I used to have the expectation that they'd go, oh, thank Me you. Too. Yeah. Uh, so then, then they didn't respond that way. And then that ugly voice in my head would say, what a sucker you are. Mm -hmm. you should, that was a dumb thing to do. All right. Yeah. Now, I don't listen to that voice anymore. And I don't have expectations that the, the relationship will instantly spring back to where it was. Yeah, that's good. That's good because I think sometimes those unhealthy expectations are what can be so damaging. Yes. And so having the expectation of I'm doing this because it's who I decided to be. Absolutely. Not because of the response I might get is very healthy. All right. So his last idea in this indirect pursuit, you've got spiritual, you've got physical, you've got intellectual, you've got the relational, and now it's the emotional. And he says, uh, we, we have to realize there's going to be hard times in our life and there's going to be hard emotions, but we have to cultivate healthy emotions. And obviously one of those, the biggest things we can cultivate in our heart that have been studied time and time and time again is gratitude. 
Um, do you have a, a habit of gratitude? What does your, what does your cultivation of something like a healthy emotion look like in your life? So let's just take gratitude. Uh, I, uh, I made it a habit in my life to, uh, uh, almost every day, the last thing I do before I leave work is I say thank you to someone. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll say thank you to Mary. Uh, I'll say thank you to somebody in the office. Uh, I want to. I want to say thank you to uh, people around me every single day. Yeah. I I I, I want to say thank you so much that people actually stop hearing it. <laughs> yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Because it, 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 they've heard it so much that it's... Yeah, I heard someone say once, when you think you've appreciated someone enough, triple it. <laughs> yeah. So I, 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 I don't want to just... I don't want gratitude just to be an, uh, an idea. Uh, I want to I fully express thank yous. Uh, when I went to Israel, uh, I went to the Wailing Wall, and uh, I had this prayer i had this idea of what i was going to pray for there well when i got there and put my hand on those old stones i found all i could do to say was to god was thank you yeah and and instead of pleading with him for all this stuff i just i stood there Mm. and and i just all i could do was say thank you so good uh and i had to tell you i walked away from there uh happy yeah you know Mm mm-hmm when you think about that habit, habit is a big piece of happiness. Um, I think in his book he says uh, habits. We first make our habits, then our habits make us. What is a piece of advice you can give to someone who is who is maybe, let's see, we're probably going to release this in... December. So we're going to be, it'll be the last week in December or maybe a week before a week after because of the holidays. But what someone is going to be looking at this and thinking, okay, it's a new year. How do I make habits? This is actually the perfect discussion for this. What, what's one good idea on how to start forming habits? All right, let's start with, I have habits that make it impossible for me to be happy. Mm. If I don't confront that habit, and if I don't replace it, I don't have a chance to be happy. Yeah. Uh, so sometimes these are uh, these are external habits, uh, and sometimes they're internal habits. But we all know things that if we give into those things, we're not happy. Yeah. Um, it's the opposite, right? Yes. They're happiness killers. So um, I, want, I want to start paying attention, and I want to address the things that defraud me of happiness. That's good. Uh, uh, um, and, and they have a rippling effect. I'm not only not happy today, I'm not happy every time I remember that. Yeah. You know. Yeah, the shame game. Yeah. Uh, the regret and all that nonsense. All right. So I want to start paying very close attention to the habits that are ruinous to my well-being and my happiness. That's good. Uh, 
I, I'm a firm believer that you just can't drop a habit. You have to replace it with something. Yeah. And then that's where it gets into, I'm going to replace this bad habit with this good habit. And, uh, every good habit, uh, requires building. It's not doing it right one day. It's, uh, creating a system and a schedule that I'm doing this until I have to stop disciplining myself do it, to do it. And it's just part of my everyday life. Yeah, I think that's a great point because I think sometimes we uh, say, I'm going to be happy when or I'm going to be happy if. And so then often just the act of our life or just the act of the day-to-day living we don't find joy in it because we're waiting for the big event. Yeah. And life is very rare that there's these big life-changing events. It's more often that our our habits, our daily choices are what is going to help us to become who we're trying to become or help us grow closer to this pursuit of happiness. And I think too many times we think about the big event instead of the moment by moment or the experience by experience. Yes. Why are people happier going to Cedar Point than coming home? (laughs) It should be just the opposite. Yeah. You had the whole day there. You rode the rides. You had, okay. But uh, I have found in my life, it's the, it's the, uh, leading up to things Mm -hmm. that have, uh, uh, the the greatest joy, the greatest happiness, and the after can be a little anticlimactic. Yeah, disappointing you know? almost. Yeah. It's funny because there's a study, Huberman, he is a Stanford professor, and he's got a awesome podcast. That he's a neuroscientist, so it's a lot of the brain. And um, he talks about the idea, I think ultimately it's growth mindset, but the idea that often we get the dopamine hits and the dopamine rushes when we, uh, when we think about the end game, like, uh, you're going to finish the line at the marathon or you're going to hit the scale and the weight's going to be what you want it to be. And he said, you can actually teach your brain to get the same dopamine hit from effort and you have a healthier life you actually are going to have more hits of dopamine, which is going to last longer when you teach your brain that effort is the true, the true win, that what we put into it is the true win. Okay. So you identify the unhealthy habits. You try to find a way to replace and not just willpower and gut it up. Maybe you can find good accountability partners or people in your life that can do it with you or, um, the relational aspect has seemed to help pretty much consistently. Now what? Now, now, how, how do we identify, how do we create the new habit? Well, then that is, uh, uh, consistency mm-hmm. and, uh, discipline, <laughs> right? Yeah. Because I live by a schedule. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, ha- I live by a schedule. Yeah. So I schedule stuff into my, daily life mm-hmm. uh when i say um uh i i read a um 800 page book you can't read an 800 page book in One a couple setting. of settings yeah so i just uh 
uh, created a chart, put it in my schedule, that every week I would read so many pages at this time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and actually, I got so used to doing that when, when I finished the book, I was a little disappointed. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Because it had become part of your rhythm, my rhythm. Yeah. Okay, so this is making me think I just took our Columbia Station staff through an idea of how you build momentum. And um, one of the things we were talking about is you got to be disciplined in the habits that you do. But a lot of times we don't take the time to think ahead. And we just are reactionary in life. And so when I think about like my next year, my 2024 I took time to sit down and say, if I want to be a more disciplined girl, then what are the areas that I can, I can write down today that would maybe give me the biggest effect next year? And um, so spiritually, physically, health, those are my three areas that I thought if I could get these right and be very disciplined, I'm going to have the greater outcome that I'm looking for. And then I made a little box and I said, in my spiritual life, what, what are two habits that I could create that maybe I'm not doing now or not enough? And so I wrote down two habits. And then in my health life, I said, what are two things? And then in my physical, two things. But I didn't stop there. I then got out a Monday through Sunday calendar and inputted it to my morning habits or my weekly habits and the only way I think you'll really do it is if you if you have a plan for it absolutely and if you have I think uh, Dallas Willard says that most change comes about by vision you have a better vision for your future than you do now by intent so you maybe write it down maybe that was the act of what I was doing it's not just an idea but now I intend to do it and now there's means there's a way that you make this happen and I find that really really helpful yeah until you put it in your schedule it's a wish mm-hmm. uh, and you know I'm rabid about planning review days yeah okay I think we're going to end this here Okay. Do you have one more thought on happiness that you'd like to share? Uh, I believe God is happy. Mm. I believe God is infinitely happy. I, I, I believe he lives in the realm of a well-being. And uh, I believe all human happiness uh, has its origin in the happiness of God. Love that. And I, I, I believe, I not only believe that God is happy, I believe he loves sharing his happiness. Yeah. That he communicates his happiness. And he does it through a variety of ways like we've talked. But I actually believe God is most honored when his children are the most happy. I agree. Do you remember uh, John Piper, uh, Christian Hedonism? God is most delighted when his children are most happy. Mm-hmm. So happiness isn't just a secular topic. It's a theological topic. Mm-hmm. It goes right to the character of God. Yeah. I love it. I love it. And I think one, uh, 
mom is a big fan of The Chosen. My daughter Lex is a big fan of The Chosen. And I think one of the things they depict so well is the humanity, but also the joy. And I think too often we can think of a rigid, angry God, and it is the opposite of who he is. Right. Thank you so much. I love doing this with you. My dad, my dad. I hope you guys have a great week. If this has been helpful, share it with someone. Uh, Drop a like. I don't know the right words to say and how it works, but like it, share it, subscribe. (laughs) We love you guys. Have a great week.